This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. You know why I love this this intro as a song for the program today? New York City, please go easy on me. Driving in, the, the traffic was maddening. Now, shout out to, you know, all my Puerto Rican people out there celebrating the parade. You know, wifey, got two kids, both Puerto Rican, all three Puerto Rican, I should say. But man, the traffic coming in today, that that just throws a wrench into the plans because, you know, you, you get in and then you want to situate yourself, have, have conversations with the producers. But it, it was just a, a mess getting in today. But uh, excited to be with you going until 6 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hit me up on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. We're going to throw some Puerto Rican tunes, Harvey. How about we get those popping? A little Bad Bunny on the program. Uh, let's hear from J-Lo. We got, we got a couple artists that, that Oi Mi Canto, Lil Nina Sky, all, all the people on that record. So let, let's play some tunes today. We got to play the hits to celebrate uh, what's going on in New York City, despite the fact that it almost made me late for the show. We've got uh, Julian also uh, behind the glass. So let's get popping. 800-919-3776. The Mets right now in action looking to avoid yet another series loss. It's the rubber game of three down in Pittsburgh, but right now they are trailing uh, by a score of 2-1, to one, and that game is in the top of the sixth inning. So we will keep you posted and get to the baseball when this wraps up uh, so the Met audience can join us. Yankees uh, in the Bronx tonight, the rubber game of a three-game set at home against the Red Sox. Lost Friday night, came back with the victory on national television tonight. ESPN Sunday Night Baseball will see them uh, try to go for a series win. And coverage actually underway right here on 98.7 beginning at 6 o'clock. So we'll get into the Yankees side of things. Also, I mean, I understand the thought of the Jets or the Jets until they're no longer the Jets. Uh, when you have the longest playoff drought uh, amongst the four you know, American sports teams, we can't take you seriously until we see something tangibly happen uh, on the field. But I, I feel like we've gone too far in the other direction with the Aaron Rodgers disrespect. Some some ESPN colleagues of mine uh, are hot-taking themselves into congratulations, you played yourself territory at the end of the season. So we'll get to some football. Giant fans want to hear also about are you worried with the Saquon Barkley? Not There's no news on the Saquon front. Uh, the I mean, we do expect that he, he's not going to set out a season. It would do him no good to do that. But I, I, I feel like the longer you go with there not, not being, you know, contracts settled and having this thing in the rearview mirror, you get a little concerned about that. So we'll, we'll touch on that as well. But where we start is with the NBA Finals because this might be the last time we can actually or I can actually preview a game this season. You've got Nuggets, Heat tomorrow night, a game you can hear right uh, on these radio airways right here on 98.7 ESPN. Game 5 in Denver. I think that series is over. I just don't anticipate the Nuggets at home with that crowd, with the chance to win a championship for the first time in their franchise history, led by a guy who's you know climbing the ladder of all-time greats, maybe solidifying himself as already a top 30 player of all time in the history of this sport. With the victory, I just can't see them tomorrow coming out and laying an egg. And with no disrespect to Miami, it just 
feels like watching this series, in order for the Heat to win a game, it requires Denver, the better, much more talented team with home court, to lay an egg. Because through four games, Denver has dominated. And the only Heat victory came in Game 2 with the Nuggets up 8 and Miami going on a run. Denver just flatlined in that fourth quarter. Which, side note, Miami has excelled in the playoffs in the fourth quarter. They've got negative differentials in the first three quarters, but I believe they're like plus 80 or something like that in the fourth quarter uh, of these NBA playoffs. So they turn it on when it gets tight, and part of that is you know, playoff Jimmy and the three-point shooting and, and Eric Spolster just being one of the greatest coaches of all time and what he's able to do, show you things early to open them up late, similar to what NFL coaches do. Uh, he, he will show you certain aspects, give you different looks, and in the fourth quarter they turn it on. But I think this series is over. So my question to the audience, and I posed this to Alan Hahn when I was working with him a couple weeks ago, is, look, you guys wanted parity. You got so tired of watching LeBron in the finals. He went to eight straight. You got tired of watching the dynasty that was the Golden State Warriors. You got so annoyed by the super teams. You wanted parity. So now that you have it, are you happy about it? Is this the, the breath of fresh air that you were looking for? Because you got an eighth seed going in an improbable run uh, with the Miami Heat getting to the finals, going through the number one seeded Bucks in five, going through the number two seeded Celtics in seven, beat the Knicks. And not that Denver on the Western Conference side of things was improbable, but there was a little bit of an underdog card uh, aspect with them because no one really believed them. The Nuggets were the number one seed. They had been the best team in basketball up until the final month of the season where they kind of just took their you know, foot off the, uh, off the gas pedal. It finished, what, 7-10 and 10 their last 17 games. Jokic punted on the MVP. You wanted to see them experience playoff success before you anointed them as the favorites. The Warriors are the defending champs. The Lakers with LeBron. There were all these other teams you suspected could make a run. And Phoenix being the favorites with Durant and Booker and CP3 before he got hurt. You wanted to see it to believe it with Denver, but they get to the finals. So now you have not the sexiest of matchups with Denver versus Miami, but there was a large portion of the, of the NBA fan base that said, look, give me something else. So has your hunger been satiated with this new matchup, this new blood? Or... Are you someone who got hit with that harsh reality of be careful what you wish for because it just might happen? Look, I'm a diehard hoops fan. Everyone who knows that about knows me knows that about me. I'm gonna watch and be thrilled regardless. But there is a part of me that does miss the LeBrons and the Staffs and the KDs. Because throughout NBA history, you've always seen all time great players competing at the highest level because and one thing I take exception to uh, the narrative about the NBA is well the offseason is really the juiciest part of the year because that's when all you know player movement look we for every decade that I can remember you go back to and obviously I wasn't watching back then but Bird and Magic throughout the 80s you, 
prior to that, you know, Wilt and, and Russell. In the 90s, you had Jordan and trying to stop him. And Kobe and Shaq's Lakers. You had the dynasty of the Spurs. You had LeBron's big three in Miami. And, you know, the Warriors. All throughout NBA history, you get to June, and it's about the best players trying to achieve the highest of heights and what it ultimately means for their legacy. So that's what really drives the sport. It's legacy because it is about if this player wins a championship, what does it mean for their legacy? How do, Where do they jump to? It's why for the rest of time we're going to argue LeBron versus MJ. It's why last year Steph winning a championship – you know, was so juicy because it was that elusive finals MVP. He's now got four championships. Does he jump to top 10? So throughout NBA history, that's been the genesis of, you know, juicy storylines. And it's a reason why, for me, I never really got tired of super teams and of the greatest players being involved in the finals. But this year, it's a little bit different. I guess... If you want to try to peel through the layers of uh, of of the finals, it's what would a championship mean for Jokic? Because he's having an all-time run. And folks out there were so critical of him. And I think to some degree it was warranted. Because if you're given a, a, a third consecutive regular season MVP to a player and it, had, it would have been the first time since the 80s since Bird had done it, we do have to have a conversation about your postseason resume because fairly or unfairly what we do is we disproportionately judge what you do in the playoffs to what you do in the regular season. It matters more. That's where the legends are born. It's what made Jeter you know, such a legend here in New York. Yeah, we loved the regular season, and Jeter wasn't out here winning regular season MVPs, but we knew in the playoffs he was going to take his game to the next level, whereas A-Rod a guy who was winning MVPs, got to the playoffs and outside of 2009, customarily disappeared. It, it, it's what drives narratives. It's what drives legacy talk in sports. So with Jokic, is it enough to satisfy you? Or was this the type of series that you kind of just check in and check out because it's not all that interesting? So I want to hear from you on that note. 800-919-3776. You got it. So are you happy about it? Or do you appreciate more the good old days when you did have the same teams in the finals and, you know, battling and and, and going toe-to-toe, seeing how high they could climb the all-time NBA hierarchy? So that's a question I'll I'll, I'll pose to the audience. The other layer of this is, as I mentioned with Jokic, it was fair to criticize him, but if you were someone who did... Do you kind of feel dumb now? Because, again, you go back to throughout the history of the sport, we hold players to a standard of we see what you've done in the regular season, but it's time to get it done in the playoffs. It's time to win championships. It's a standard we hold quarterbacks in the NFL, too, which is why I'm so excited to watch Rodgers in a Jet uniform. He's got a lot to prove, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, Mahomes and what he's been able to do in his career so far with the two championships and how high he's jumping the ladder, it means something when you do it in the playoffs. So that's what people were asking Jokic to do. Okay, you got back-to-back MVPs, but your team had one conference finals appearance, and we've seen really nothing else of substance after that. So it was fair. But I, I, I call myself the apply context police, and that is 
since the bubble when he got to a conference championship, uh, conference finals, are we really to expect him to win it all when you know Monty Morris is his second best player? Because that's what he was dealing with, with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. going down to injuries. And now that he has his full complement of players, we're seeing the impact he's having. And it's been an all-time postseason run. He's averaging 30-13 and a hair under 10 assists per game. So he's, he's got some work to do to, to, to go the entire playoff run averaging a triple-double, which would be historic. But you watch him, and it's not flashy. It's not... It doesn't always feel like must-see television for someone who's not really all that into, you know, watching the Nuggets or, or watching basketball. But it, he he just dominates an entire game in, in a way that I really can't remember anyone else doing, just stylistically. He can shoot from three. He can bang down low and, and, and beat you with his wizardry in the pennant area. And Miami just has no one uh, uh, to, to match up with him because of their size issues. He's, he's the best passing big maybe we've ever seen. And no, he's not great defensively. He's not, he's not Akeem Olajuwon, but he's been holding his own to the point where it's not a glaring weakness as much as it was in the past. So now in the playoffs, Nikola Jokic, all he does uh, is lead everyone in points, rebounds, and assists. And the conversation goes from, well, did we really give him those MVPs, did those age well to, are we watching one of the 30 greatest players in NBA history have an all-time postseason run? Opening the door for him to continue to climb that ladder. Who else can he pass? Because Jokic is is doing things we quite literally have never seen before, just by a guy of his stature. So if you were critical of him, I I wonder if if you feel dumb. Because, again, to some degree it was warranted, but then the other stuff got, got crazy. It got, it got crazy. And my, my guy, Nick Wright, people know how much I love me some Nick Wright, but the, the take of, you know, he's going to be the, the worst MVP we've seen in 40 years, that's a take that's not aging well. And that, that's my guy. I talk to him all the time. That's my boy. But that is a take that uh, is not aging well because Jokic – right now, never thought I would say this, is the best player in basketball, and I don't think there's any argument otherwise. 800-919-3776. We got the phone calls lining up, so I want to hear from you. Hit me up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. We're monitoring the Mets out in Pittsburgh. It's the middle of the seventh inning. They are trailing 2-1 to Yankees. Take the mound tonight. Take the field tonight looking to, to win a series uh, against the Red Sox after dropping uh, the last one to Chicago. Still dealing with the absence of Aaron Judge. And that's just going to be uh, it's, it's going to be a task in itself, an arduous task, watching them continue to trot out lineups that just look less than stellar as you know they try to right the ship. So we'll do the baseball later, get to football. But right now, taking your phone calls on the NBA, 800-919-3776. We're going until 6 o'clock. Let's get it popping today right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ty Butler going until 6 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. Starting with the NBA Finals, we'll get to the baseball, waiting for the conclusion of the Mets and the Pirates down in Pittsburgh. 
Pirates up two to one on your New York Mets, who are staring at yet another series loss. I'm, I am chomping at the bit to destroy them if if they lose this game because uh, what's what what happened a couple of years ago when they signed Steve Cohen and what the feeling was back then versus uh, what we've seen put on display in the last. A uh, couple months, and even go back to September, has been an utter embarrassment for the Mets. So we'll get to that later on. Todd Butler going until 6 o'clock, 800-919-3776. Battling leadoff, we go to Connecticut to talk to Tommy. What's up, Tommy? Rick, what's up, buddy? Yeah, man. What's up? Hey, just want to say you were fantastic with Alan filling in during the week. Thank you, man. Always, always good to hear you in different time slots. Appreciate that, bro. Um, just wanted to say... Um, I'm kind of seeing some parallels between the two uh, the two final series that are going on right now. You know, both eight seeds kind of weren't expected to get there. Both got you know their their best players banged up. You know, Jimmy Butler ain't 100. Uh, percent Matthew Kachuk got dinged up real bad the other night. Um, but I'm just hoping I'm hoping they can win a couple more games because I just want more sports. You know, I don't I don't want <laughs> I don't want it to be just baseball for the next three months. <laughs> listen, you know what I mean? Listen, I, I hear you, Tommy. I appreciate you making the call. And, yeah, uh, Vegas last night uh, looked like we could have an interesting series over in the Stanley Cup with Florida winning game three. And then last night was, was competitive. Two to war. What was it? Two, two or three, one going into uh, the third period before Florida tacked on another goal. But, yeah, unfortunately, Vegas has just been overwhelming in that series. I had my little own... Uh, reason and motivation for rooting for the Panthers that I expressed to Allen. You you mentioned me hosting the show with him. I was rooting for Florida to win this series, but they looked over overwhelmed and overmatched. Same's going on in in, in the NBA finals. The the Nuggets are just the better team with the best player in basketball. Jokic uh, we talked a lot about him in the opening segment. How about this? So I, I, here are the names I'm going to give you and I'm going to tell you why they are significant and what it means and what we could be seeing happen uh, by the end of tomorrow night. So my MJ, LeBron, Steph, Magic, Kareem, Giannis, Bird, Duncan, Moses Malone, Will Chamberlain. That list right there is one that Jokic will find himself on if he wins the championship tomorrow because that is your list of players in NBA history. Ten guys have won two regular season MVPs and a finals MVP. Ten guys. Jokic would become number 11. He would join MJ, LeBron, Steph, Magic, Kareem, Giannis, Bird, Duncan, Moses, and Wilt. Not on the list. I mean, and it's just, it infuriates me. Kobe. Kobe should have won another MVP. He should be on that list. Shaq, how is he not on that list? How did he? How did Kobe and Shaq only win one regular season MVP in their careers? Something went wrong. The voters went nuts. But that's the list. That's the elite company Jokic finds himself in if they do get it done, which I highly anticipate will happen tomorrow night. Jokic averaging 30-13-8 and eight in the finals. And uh, they've got a chance at home tomorrow. And, you know, with that crowd going nuts at that altitude uh, to put this series, uh, to put the NBA offseason in full effect because – they're just a dominant team. They're the better team right now. Let's go to my old stomping grounds in BK. We holler at Jose. What up, Jose? 
Good afternoon, Ty. It looks like my my you know wishes were answered. You know, we got you live on a Sunday afternoon where I'm not hearing a podcast. Yeah, man. <laughs> we're not airing the best stuff or you know some some uh, network show. You got your boy Ty on the airways tra- talking to you. Man. Appreciate the love. Bro. There we go. There we go. So I wanted to talk about the NBA final, uh, the NBA finals, especially with your jokeage point, because I do agree. Because you know, whenever we're talking about sports and we get very opinionated sometimes we can box ourselves in into the ultimate sports take where we kind of look you know very foolish at the end of the day and with me with Jokic was you know everyone kept saying you know is he really a great player you know this and this and that when we all knew he didn't have his second best player his running mate with him and it it, it was very disconcerting on how certain people were kind of using it as a like a personal animus to just go out there and say that they didn't believe in him, but they're kind of, you know, getting their egg on their face with this playoffs because that dynamic duo with the passing pieces that they have, it's, it's really been fun to watch. And even though I do agree with you, it doesn't have, have the sizzle as, you know, the, you know, Steph Curry and the LeBron chasing their legacies and everything. We could be, uh, who knows, we could be watching something new with Jokic and Murray on, on the horizon here. So we can't discount that either. Yeah, it's pretty special. There, And I appreciate the call, Jose. It's a young duo that is only going to get better. Uh, Jamal Murray, low-key, is becoming one of those Jimmy Butler-like players, dare I say, where it, not all, I can't say impressive, but he's not someone who in the regular season you're considering to be an upper echelon player. But once that calendar flips and we hit the postseason, he takes his game to the next level. We saw it in the bubble. We had a couple 50-point games, you know, help uh, the Nuggets beat Utah in that first round, help the help them overcome a 3-1 deficit to upset the Clippers. And now that he's healthy again, I know a lot of people are doing the Kobe and Shaq comparisons. And obviously me, I, they're not Kobe and Shaq, but just from a, a standpoint of how well they complement each other how well they play off of one another and the level of play they get to in the playoffs. And now that their team's on the cusp of winning a championship, I mean, it's something special to watch. The Jokic criticism to me, again, fair to an extent, but here, here we're last year in the regular season for the Nuggets. Outside of Jokic, the, the, the top scorers for the Nuggets, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Monty Morris, Bones Highland. Uh, at Austin Rivers. I mean, what are we doing there? What are we doing there? What were you expecting him to do? We go to Andrew, who's who's sitting in the car right now. What's up, Andrew? Hey, how you doing? So I I I, I want to pick up on your point about Murray because in the bubble, the two best players in the bubble were Murray and and uh, and, and you know Miami's Jimmy Butler. Those are the two guys that were uh, like the best players, and I think we forget about that. And I think I appreciate you bringing up on the last, you know, just just now about it, because honestly, I, Michael Porter, he's not playing the way that people thought he would play. And the other guys on the team, okay, Bruce Brown had a great game the other day, but you know, they're getting compliments, but those two guys together, they're awesome to watch. Like to your first question earlier, I'm excited for this series. I've been excited for Denver, you know, for, for weeks now, because I thought they would get here. And I'm a Knicks fan, so I actually thought that the Knicks could get past Miami, and I felt they could beat Boston because they beat them three out of four and they had a better balance against them. 
So I was I, I was really bummed out about Miami doing it. But I think that Murray is is the Batman Robin duo, but he's stepped up and they're they're super almost on the same level. Uh, Murray and Jokic, you're saying? Yeah, I I think so in this series. Uh, I mean, I I really do. I, I think that. I mean, listen, I, I, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you finish. No, I mean, I think on this series, the way they're playing and the way he's getting people involved, Murray. And certainly, you know, Jokic is awesome. I mean, he is awesome. I saw him play live a couple of uh, a couple of months ago in in uh, in Washington, and I, it was just amazing. But and Murray was out that game. But watching Murray play with the with it's, I mean, he took over the offense in the fourth quarter when he yep. sat down. When Jokic sat down, yep. they won that game. Mm-hmm. It was you know he he to Brown, and that that was you know they they took it. So that, that, I, I listen, think you got to. That's a fair point, Andrew, and I and I appreciate the call. I, I, listen, when Jokic picks up his fifth foul early in that fourth quarter, you're thinking this is danger zone for the Nuggets, just because Miami, as I mentioned at the top of the show, has been a dominant team in the fourth quarter. They can go get hot and hit threes, and when you take Jokic off the floor, uh, that can be disastrous for Denver. But to your point, Jamal stepped up, hit some big shots. Chris, uh, Christian Brown was great in Game Three, but uh, Bruce Brown in Game Four was just tremendous. And they just get a lot of contributions every night from someone else, and this that's what makes them a great team. The only part of, of of your argument that I would I would have a little bit of pause on is the fact that they're on the same level. Jamal Murray's been fantastic in the playoffs in this series. He's not on the level of Jokic. He's great. He is a great player and he's gonna be, you know, a perennial all star, I think, going forward. You're gonna see like his stock increase. But a lot of and this is not to take anything away from him, a lot of the production comes off of him feeding off of the greatness of Jokic. They run a lot of dribble handoff action. Jokic is the guy you go into every game looking to stop. He's who the defense is keyed in on. And Jamal Murray excels in that Robin role. So I, I, w- I would say that. Let's go to New York. We talked to Tim. What's up, Tim? Hey, Tim. Hello? What's going on, Tim? What you got? Yeah, what's going on? So... Um, I just want to say I, th- I think it's interesting, certainly, this whole thing about Jokic and and everything that's been happening with the NBA Finals. I love the point you made of, like, our NBA fans have wanted something new satiated at this point, you know. Um, and I definitely think we, you know, we were in love with the marquee matchups like the Cavaliers and the Warriors, sort of rivalry of old. Um, and I think that what the NBA wanted – um, not necessarily NBA fans, but the NBA from like a marketing perspective was definitely to have the Celtics advance over the Heat and then the Lakers beat the Nuggets and then have the old Celtics-Lakers rivalry. Um, but the one thing I, I want to give you pushback on is probably the point that Jokic is the best player. Okay. And I think it. more so than ever. Hello? Yeah, let's hear it. I, I, I want to hear why you don't agree with that take. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, like I said, I loved all your other points. It's just really that point. And I think more so than ever this season, um, I think NBA fans and, like, the NBA community have this, like, recency bias thing. It's definitely a take that's given on every sports show in the morning about who's the best player right now, who's the best player in these series. I mean, if you ask people at the beginning of the playoffs who was the best player, they would have said, you know, the point guard for probably the Kings. Right, it was the most wanted, most punched player. I don't think any, uh, no one was gonna say no, no. So there's a difference between guy who's played the best that season, and I'll let you continue your point, Tim. There's a difference between guy who has played the best 
that season versus like, who, who you think is the best player like overall. And I don't think anyone's arguing De'Aaron Fox. He thought he had a tremendous year. Uh, all right. NBA player was gonna was gonna be best player. But so so I'm curious. So who would you say if it's not Jokic, who's the best player in the NBA? The best player in the NBA right now. And you may agree, disagree for different reasons. I think the best player, granted, their availability is questionable. Granted, you know, there's a lot of things about load management and, and them taking up a team's resources and time and not giving back, right? Kawhi Leonard. Oh, no. Without question. Without question. Listen, without question. When he's healthy, when he's playing, when he's on the floor, without question is the best player in the NBA. At the beginning of that series with the Suns, right, you saw Kawhi in game one and game two. Single, not, o- not only you just spoke about how the Suns were a favorite to win the finals, a favorite team to win the finals, arguably the best collection of talent that we've seen since the team in Brooklyn with Kyrie, with James Harden, with Kevin Durant, and then the team with the Warriors where you had that, that huge lineup with Kevin Durant, right? Kawhi has shown the ability to single-handedly, single-handedly not only dominate teams, but control the dynamics of some of the most important games in the NBA. That game one against the Warriors when he was on the Spurs, single-handedly controlled that yeah, game. Yeah, you know, so here's where you, here, here is where you just told on yourself, though, Tim. You referenced right, right. two games, and, and this is what happens. Right. This is what happens. You, you just I, put I, yourself I in checkmate. You referenced two games this past postseason right. where he was fantastic. No argument there. Right. Then as you're continuing right. to list the accomplishments and the accolades and places you've seen him excel, you had to go back right. four damn years to find it. So that's the problem. Part no, of listen, your greatness, listen, listen. Tim, Tim, I part of your go, greatness, oh, oh. part of your greatness is the the availability factor. You have to be, right. Kawhi has played 52 games in the last last two years. He is right. you. You cannot put him in the conversation for best player in the league. You are eliminated from having that proto. You know that that championship belt of best player if you're not available. That's just the rules, man. Sure. That's the rules, and that's every sure. sport. But but let's 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 just be clear. To be fair, right? Because you said I put myself in checkmate. But I just told you about a playoff appearance from this year that Kawhi made, in which he was definitively in game one and game two. Allegedly, game two when he had that um, injured, it was a knee injury or something like that, right? He was undeniably the best player on the floor and at the time looked like the best player in the NBA. Now, if you're going to ask me, right, here's the thing who's the best player in the NBA, right? So then your question is is it right now or is it in general throughout what you've seen this season? And then maybe more weight on the playoff appearances and obviously the more appearances you make, the more weight your performance would have, per se, right? So Kawhi didn't make it that far in the playoffs and he was injured, right? But from what we've seen, only player to win a championship, I mean, aside from, what, like LeBron, who's still standing, right? Like the only player to win a championship with two different teams, to my knowledge in the league, right, is is as unselfish as any superstar, is capable of getting the numbers that Jokic makes. And I would argue, based on his size, right, Jokic is close to seven foot. Kawhi is probably like six, 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 seven on his best day, right? Is able to get as many rebounds as Jokic, is able to pass the ball just as well as Jokic, right? And in my opinion, is a far better scorer than Jokic at every area of the floor. Every area of the floor. And that includes inside, close to the rim, 
right? So I, I, me personally, and once again, like I've said, I've seen enough Look, from Kawhi. I, I get it, Tim, and I'm up against the clock, so I got to cut in here, and I appreciate the call. As far as only player to win championships with different teams, no, we've seen that happen a lot. I think what you're referencing is finals MVP with multiple t- franchises, and that's only happened three times. Kareem did it with the Bucks and Lakers. LeBron obviously did it with Miami, Cleveland, and the Lakers, and Kawhi has now done it with the Spurs and Raptors. I think there is no argument for Kawhi being the best player in the NBA. If you want to say that if if everyone is healthy, who has the highest peak just as far as postseason performance of active players, Kawhi could be in that conversation. But he is not he is not anywhere near the the best player in the league just because he's not healthy and he, he's he's he, he can't play you you can't rely on him so that that factors into it and if I'm when I'm calling Jokic the best player in the league it's not recency bias when the guys just won back to back MVPs prior to winning a Finals MVP he's about about to get tomorrow. So, no, that's not recency bias. We are badly up against the clock, so we'll take a break, come back. Gordon Damer, who I love and I listened to yesterday during his program, just said something I thought was nuts yesterday during his uh, segment. We was talking about what the Knicks should do during the offseason. So we'll get to that coming up next. Ty Butler going until 6 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're talking NBA in the first hour of the Mets. Three outs away from losing a series down in Pittsburgh. They trailed 2-1 to one entering the ninth inning, so they'll look to come back off of uh, the Pirates' closer. And for an offense that continues to struggle, you know, you get the news a couple of days ago that Peter Alonso is going to miss three to four weeks. That is devastating. Obviously, you lose your best player, but especially for a team that I, I, I guess of late offense really hasn't been the, the one thing we look at and say is the biggest issue. Issue has been their starting pitching. But losing him for an extended period of time while you are mired in just a catastrophe, oh, that, 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 that is something that is, is hard to stomach. And if you're a Mets fan, look, it's, it's June. You can say it's early, but it, it's really not all that early. You can dig yourself into a hole where it's the deficit becomes insurmountable, and we keep kicking around this idea that, all right, you're not going to win the division, settle for a wild card. Part of the, quote-unquote, settling for a wild card relies on you having to win games, which the Mets uh, of late have not been able to do. So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, about them once that game goes final. Let's go to, back to the phone lines. We talked to Spike, who's in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? How's, how's the family, health, everything all good? Everything's great. I heard you on the phone. I got I got to talk to my guy here, especially it's hoops. You know, I lobbied early on for you to have a hoops only show. You know that, uh, man. And, from your lips to and, the ears of one Jonathan Winthrop and, and uh, all the Winthrop now, now he'll, he'll be hearing from me. You just you're so tuned in. Your recall, look, you're thirty years old. Wherever you are, I mean, you, you, your memory's sharp. Thank but, you, man. Uh, yeah, no, well, you know, you're like a protege, uh, some, so, you know, I just feel really akin to you and your family. I love you. I love your IG stuff, man. love it. Family's gorgeous. So anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. Okay, the guy who called on Kawhi, I, could, I understand where exactly where he's calling from, coming from. Exactly. It's a, Larry always says the same thing. You know, availability is, is one of the you know, features that you need. And that's why guys like Mikel Bridges, who's the other Iron Man guy in the league? There's one other. Doesn't want to miss again. 
Uh, Julius Randle's good. Yeah, Randle right. until he got hurt at the when he sprained his ankle. But Bridges, he's a guy that, you know, he's out there every single game. Yeah, what was the guy? Yeah, well, you'll know. So, wait, the guy. Yeah, A.C. Green. Oh, yes, yes. He, he, Going back he, he to the has, 80s. He, yeah. Yeah, he was I know, but you 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 know, you know Washington was president, you know? <laughs> Yeah, of course. He was like H. G. Green was like a Lou Gehrig deal in basketball, you know, where you're more prone to injuries. Actually, every time I say Lou Gehrig I feel sad with last week and that young lady. Oh, uh, yeah. So, man. That was terrible. I don't, I don't I don't I wanna keep it up tempo with you. So yeah, I think Denver is cohesive. They've been playing for a while. Uh, and I read off, I called Larry before, I read off a list, list of the second-round picks, you know, the, the usual suspects, Rodman and Ginobili and those guys, and Alex English. And, but Jokic is just... Uh, and why they don't press him when he brings up the ball? I'll get off and listen on the stream and, and have a great run. I, I just don't understand. He, he, he brings the ball up. He never looks... He looks at the floor. He never looks it down... No one picks him up to press him. He figures out what he's going to do. It's always two plays ahead. He has a little Magic Johnson. He has a little Larry Bird in him. And uh, the the intensity of the crispness of his pass. How would you like to be playing with him on a wing? And they've gotten very little, uh, notwithstanding uh, uh, Gordon's uh, last game. Uh, Michael uh, Howard. Porter, yeah, Michael, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, he, he is... He's been, I mean, he disappeared in the Lakers series, hasn't been uh, effective at all shooting threes. Now, his length on defense has helped them, his rebounding. But as far as him being a scoring threat from beyond the arc, which is his best asset, he has not been that for the Nuggets in this series. Talk about another second-round pick, Chris Middleton. But but I was all on Milwaukee for the whole year. You know that. And I've, now I transferred it to Denver because Hubert Brown always – this was his quote. He's 89 years old and still playing games fairly well. I got, God bless him. Uh, you can't teach height. And they look like they have – I could be off. Or you'll know it off the top of your head, Ben. You know, I, they look like they're three or four – inches taller than everybody in every, every position except for the KCP. KCP made the one big shot, but he's not performed admirably. But Bruce Brown, who's a 6'4", terrific defender, scoring. The other guy, you can't call him Brown if his name's spelled Braun, but uh, <laughs> I'm too old. I'm too old for this. That kid's a rookie. They threw him into the breach. He stole the ball. She showed a lot of uh, hustle, and uh, Jeff Green is a whole. They're going to do a thirty for thirty on Jeff Green one day. What, what thirteen teams or twelve teams in the hot conditions, similar to Monty Williams. So I'm enjoying this. Someone called earlier. Thanks for the time. About you know, do you want the same old Golden State Cleveland? Look, I love hoops. I love the NBA like you do. There's a few of us around that love it like that. Larry's like that. I just want to see good basketball. Miami's ideology and, and the conditioning, they've overachieved. Jimmy's been hurt. Uh, Struess is a terrific, he's a big East guy. He's a, he just can't make a bucket. Why? They're going to have to go out tomorrow. Yeah. The only, one way to win, take 48 or 53. And you got to make them. Yeah, you got to make them. And I appreciate the call, Spike. Miami just... Look, it comes down to you know, strategy, and Spolstra can and can do every adjustment. There's no adjusting to going up against the best player in basketball who has right now created uh, probably or arguably the best duo with him and Murray in the NBA. That's how good they've been in the playoffs. But I, I don't know what the adjustment is. I, I feel like that series ends tomorrow, 
and then we'll talk about what happens in the offseason. Speaking of which, I was listening to my guy Gordon Damer yesterday, and he was talking about the Nick offseason. He said like, names being floated around about guys he would have no interest in, and he said Carl uh, Anthony Towns not interested. Uh, the Dame thing, I, I think he might be off that train as, as well. But he said he's out on Joel Embiid, and I could not disagree with that anymore. How are you – if – and I don't know that he's going to be available. Uh, I don't know that the Sixers would trade him unless he demands that he, you know, gets moved. But how you could be out on Joel Embiid is beyond me. And we come back, uh, I'm going to explain why I feel that way. 800-919-3776. Mets threatening with the runner on second, two outs no. at the top of the ninth inning. We'll keep you posted on what happens there when we get back right here on 987 ESPN. Everything's great. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Mets just lost. Uh, that's a shocker. We'll get into them at the start of hour number two. Two to one, they fall in Pittsburgh. That's another series lost for them. They got swept by the Blue Jays, got swept by the Braves, and now they lose two of three in Pittsburgh. Things not going well in uh, the flushing part of Queens. So we'll, we'll get into that uh, coming up in about 10 minutes. But I did tease this. Uh, so Gordon's doing the show yesterday, and I actually ended up texting him. And I said, hey, you are out on Joel Embiid? If he were made available in a trade and the Knicks had an opportunity to, to acquire him, you have no interest in that? No! And he said, he said no, because no. he's got an injury history at a fraud MVP season. So I said, the injury history, I understand. I get that. Embiid hasn't played a more than 68 games at any point throughout his career. So I understand the injury history. But how often does a guy who just won the MVP become available? And again, not that he's, he's going to become available or it, there are rumors of him getting traded a, as we speak. But if we're floating around him as a, a potential target because you clearly cannot run this same Nick team out there next year, how are you out on Embiid? And when he's, so he said he's a fraud MVP, which I guess the take there is because of what we saw happen in the postseason and it's not going well watching what Jokic is doing who you got, people, people felt like probably should have won the MVP. So I said, I'm curious, where would you have, like if you were a voter, where would you have put Embiid in the MVP race, and he said second. So my my response to that is, you are punting on trading for a guy who, in your mind, was the second best player in basketball last year. That's crazy to me, because of his injury history, which again I understand. But that level of production, adding him to this team, especially because you know you're not trading Brunson for anyone, but. Uh, the, the, another point he brought up was, well, he, he falters in big moments. You don't need him to be great at big moments because what we saw last year was in crunch time, Jalen Brunson, that's your guy. That He's a dog. He's an assassin. So we're not going to need all the pressure to be on Embiid. And I do think that part of the equation is once some of that pressure comes off of him, he he's allowed to operate and play a little bit, play a little bit more freely because Brunson's going to be the guy. So I just did not understand the notion that if, if if Joel Embiid, one of the seven best players in basketball, becomes available, you're just out on him? That was a take that I, I just vehemently disagreed with. I, 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 I almost drove my car into the truck in front of me. 
Not that I'm a Nick. Not that I'm a Nick fan. Not that I'm a Nick fan, but it just makes no sense to me that this is a guy you're you're drawing the line with because he's a fraud MVP and he's got an injury history, and that's that that sickness that that Nick fans have, where we understand we need to upgrade our talent, but we're only interested in acquiring the perfect player. Perfect players never become available, Nick fans. Hour number two coming up right here on 987 ESPN. You're a bad person. Get him off the line, please. Get him out of here. Never call the show ever again. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.